It's been a while since uh, the bottom line has made its uh, podcast appearance uh, with Ian Monroe. Uh, Ian, how are you doing today? Uh, fairly well. Fairly, fairly well. well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you read today's paper, and today is Friday, uh, February 14th, uh, or, or you're online last night on the 13th, about 7.30, 8 o'clock p.m., you saw Ian breaking the news that uh, Red Front Supermarket, uh, a, a longtime staple of the city of Harrisburg, uh, will be liquidating its stock and uh, on its way to eventual closure, the, the Garber family, uh, who, who owns part of it along with the Singh family, uh, have not given have not put out an exact date, but I think that's kind of dependent on when they can liquidate the stock and yeah. empty out the store. Ian, you know you've you've been a Harrisburg resident for six years now, if I'm not Nearly mistaken. So, yeah, I mean, and you yourself have shopped there. Uh, so now, aside from the you know the the closing, or, well, aside from the, the the business standpoint of the closing, what does this closure you think mean to this community i mean this place has been around since 1905 one shape or another it's a the garber family has owned it it's been around you know what is you know in terms of you know just you know if you shopped at red front you people knew you lived in harrisburg so what does this mean for the city i mean it's an interesting thing that development up over at that corner there is uh something that uh john garber senior mentioned to me last night was one of the owners that, you know, if they could pick up the, you know, almost the restaurant, if they could pick up the grocery store, drop, plop it on the other side of town, you know, that they wouldn't be having this conversation because we've seen a lot of this development move towards 81. As we all know, Parkview's up really not, not very close to 81. But I think there was still, for many years, there was a hugely loyal following. I mean, uh, I remember the first time I went and I, I saw those same people for years, you know, until that new management came in with the Sings, which, you know, and the Garbers made clear that they were looking to do a bunch of different things as local grocery stores struggle with a bunch of different things that they were, you know, trying to cost cut, trying to reflect the diversity in the community, all these sorts of things, and just didn't quite work out for one reason or another. And so, and social media definitely played a role. That was something that the Garbers brought up that there was, you know, uh, definitely some response about all that. And, but I think getting back to the point is that for many years, I mean, even just the several I was here, it seemed like everybody, if, just like you said, if you shopped at, shopped at Redfront, you know, people see that you're in Harrisonburg or you're at least invested in this part of the community. And I think that was, that was really notable. Uh, and I think it still is. I think it's important to remember sort of what it meant, especially to that side of town, being up near Parkview and everything. And for many years, they they never sold beer. You know, they, there were many times where at the end, though, and they sold cigarettes and such, but there were still some things that they wouldn't sell for a long time. And, you know, that sort of dedication, that sort of, you know, hometown small feel that David Garber spoke about in the article, I think that's... Uh, that was definitely evident. They weren't, you know, in they weren't in the game to make a quick buck. I think was very much part of uh, their business idea. And you know, for somebody who shopped there for a long time, and I'm sure many other people who've shopped there for much longer than myself, it's kind of you know, kind of a gut punch in one way. But also, you know, time has to go on, and we've been seeing all these local grocery stores. I mean. Broadway Supermarket, Weir's Cave Super Save, Shenandoah Grocery. It's 
I mean, you could say it's a fact of the changing times uh, that smaller places like this go under because they have, you have to sort of find a niche. You can't just be a grocery store in the same way that maybe Kroger or Food Lion is. I mean, Food Max doesn't seem to be facing that much trouble, but that's because they... They have a niche. They have a niche. And same thing with the food co-op. I mean, we see the downtown food co-op, you know, doing really well. But again, it's they have a Actually niche. expanding. Yeah, exactly. So, you know... So they have – it's interesting to see that, but for people who are trying to go straight down the center, we're a grocery store. We have you know, home, hometown values, small-town feel, that sort of thing. It's, it's just getting much and much more difficult for those people to stay around and, you know, things change. But I think Red Front, for the most part, always stayed the same. I think a lot of people will say that, you know, it went really downhill over the last uh, – since this sort of things came involved, but I think that – that's just that. That's just the way things go. I mean, a business, if it's struggling financially, you're always going to see cracks in that. But I never felt I, – I could see a difference. I could tell a difference. It's hard to put, put my finger on exactly what it was. But as far as the actual – like the reason I went to Redfront, it's, you know, it's local. There was just something about it that was really warm, you know, and I don't think that changed. I don't think that ever changed, at least in my experience in Redfront. So you, you mentioned those three other grocery stores in the past less than a year. Yeah, ten uh, months. All all have announced that that have all either announced or have shut down, uh, making four with Redfront now. And I believe in your story, you said it's a combined two hundred and fifty four forty two hundred forty five two hundred forty five years of experience. Is it the? And you touched on it a little bit when you mentioned Food Line and Kroger. I mean, is it? Just you can't compete with the big boxes, even if you're a, a small town grocery store. Is there not? I mean, I mean is it just coming? Is, is, is it becoming that hard? I, it certainly seems that way, and a lot of other stories I've read in national papers and such have have basically posited the same thing. And things that you'd hear from these families that uh, you know, a, a great example. You know, if you're going to buy five jars of spaghetti sauce. Uh, then, because that's all you can sell, five, these five jars of spaghetti sauce, because it's a nice spaghetti sauce, blah, blah, blah. Why would the person who's making that cut you a deal when they could sell a truckload to Walmart? And I'm not, I'm not trying to bash Walmart or Food Line. These are huge employers in town. They make food affordable for so many people. But in just the way, the, that's such a tenet of capitalism, just uh, economies of scale. And to be a local grocery store, you just can't, you can't cash in it as hard as a giant place, and it's just sort of a self-rewarding system where as more and more and more and building that momentum. So it seems to me that the only way you can really pull off being a grocery store in, in a sense like Food Max does or, or uh, the, the co-op downtown is that you, you really have to have a niche, and sometimes you just you have to be able to charge more and then for some things like the co-op does, but still be able to, for one reason or another, bring people in. And I think Redfront always had that, but it always had that for me. It always had that extra factor that, I mean, even if, and I don't think it was always more expensive than if I had gone to Walmart or Kroger or anything. But I, I, no matter what, even if, let's say at the end of the day, maybe I spent three dollars extra a month maybe four on my groceries at red front all things said between the 10 or 15 cent increases that you'd have at, you know red front that 
it was still so much more worth it to me than, and I could walk there. Exactly. I mean, and, that was such think, a huge thing too. You know, and once again, you know, when you're if you're going to a Walmart in Harrisonburg, I think the Walmart in Timberville is a little more of a unique situation because it's you don't got to go through six lights to get there and cross mm-hmm. eighty one and wait for traffic to make the you know make the right on the Burgess Road. Yeah. Well, if I'm going to Walmart, I'm always going to the Dayton Walmart. Yeah. I think that's just so, I mean, it's just down high. It's real quick, but still, and that's kind of like and that's kind of like how the Timberville Walmart is. It's just kind of you know it's off you know it's in town but it's off the beaten path if you yeah. if you catch my drift i mean is it, it, it i mean it, going off that a little bit is it how much of this is generational i mean when i was a kid in our neighborhood and i grew up in a unique situation in, mm-hmm. in, a, in an ethnic neighborhood in, in chicago little italy it was you know I only knew a grocer. I only knew the uh, produce store. We had to go to like three different stores to get all our groceries for the week, mm-hmm. uh, all on one street that we can walk to. Uh, but then, generationally, people get older, people die, mm-hmm. and, and people, some people don't want to carry on. And, yep. and, and a, a new generation is brought up on going to a big box store mm-hmm. to do their grocery shopping. I mean, how much does you know as the population ages? that knows these grocery stores, these supermarkets, you know, how much does that play into this? Is that, I, I think that's a fair, fair point. Uh, I grew up in, uh, a suburb of DC and there was only really one grocery store that, uh, I mean, I've been my whole life, uh, pretty much going to big box stores, except for the occasional, there was a shop near us that opened up uh, a lot like food max, uh, after a, what was it called? It was a pearl, it was a Pearl Arts and Crafts store. Okay. Uh, right off the interstate and, well, off the Beltway. And uh, so we would occasionally go there. And that was, you know, a lot like Food Max. And you could get some real great stuff that you're not going to get at, you know, sh- I mean, Shoppers is going out of business now, too. I mean, even some of these giant chains are starting to collapse. But I grew up going to Shoppers, which was this huge box place. And, uh, yeah, I remember that very clearly. And I think that that was actually part of the thing that made me want to go to Redfront. I had no interest in, you know, and I'm I'm not harping on, again on big box stores or anything, but I was raised in this thing. And then when I first went to Redfront, which was actually shown to me by my friend who was a year older than me at JMU, uh, who grew up on the Eastern Shore, you know, for him, Redfront was like still pretty small because, you know, the only places on the shore similar to this was yeah. a food line and then it would destroy the local grocery stores because off the beaten path and everything, why well, just go go to one place? So, uh, you know, but still it was like, it's an interesting see- thing to see, but I think a lot of folks, uh, I may be in a bubble too, but I think a lot of folks, at least around my age and try and like have, have invested in downtown, whether they're paying to live down here or anything else, you know, they have a, they have a tendency to try and shop at even at the co-op, you know, and, the co-op is the co-op, uh, mm-hmm. but, you know, there's an attempt to sort of try and shop more local, but I think just with the size and all these things, like, you, you have to go to Walmart sometimes. I mean, there's sometimes where you you can't find anything else except at a big box shop like Ross or Walmart or, you know, sometimes you just literally can't get it. As a Gen Xer looking inside from the outside, I, I've noticed that a lot where it seems like Gen Z, the quote-unquote Generation Z, and the quote-unquote Millennials made a concerted effort to, uh, I mean, you, you know, there's always that bashing of, oh, they're the, you know, they're the ones online and shopping online. Well, I shop mm-hmm. online too. 
But, I mean, I, I saw that concerted effort in a lot of these smaller cities, especially college towns, mm-hmm. uh, where you saw those two generations kind of making that effort to shop local. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting because I, I don't know how much steam it has, how much inertia, how much actual buying power goes to one or the other. And I think also it's it may not be on the whole, but for folks who who have the slightest inkling of a thought, I think it pushes them over to be buying local. But I, I still recognize, you know, that, again, I, I really want to make clear that Food Line and Walmart definitely have a place, you know, at the table. Like, there's they have bring so many jobs. I mean, we got down in, uh, we got that whole shipping center out in Weir's Cave, you know. There's so many jobs. There's so much stuff that can be done, you know. And uh, Walmart, it's what I've noticed over a uh, few years is that they've been trying to do at least put it more forward as like made in the USA. I don't know why they're doing that, but you know, I'm not going to pretend to say it's the tariffs or anything. I have no idea, but it seems like, and buying American products is really just an extension of buying local. So I don't know that maybe that's playing more into it. I, I don't quite know, but I think that a lot of folks, have a tendency to when things like this go under, you know, they go under because people aren't going there. Like Redfront had, was struggling financially because customers were, for one reason or another, going to Kroger or going to Food Lion or going to Walmart. And, you know, those are decisions that we make every day. But, uh, you know, life life marches on. Is, uh, you know, the last question, is there, a, is there the, what are the, the quote-unquote mood on the hill? I mean, have you talked to people around town? Is there, have you talked to employees? Is there just a general mood about this, you know, eventual closure? What, before I got the Garbers to go on record, I mean, there was so many rumors swirling. And, uh, and I think especially when it comes to things like this and chess is, you know, the last thing anybody really wants is rumors, just like what happened with the Sings. You know, once it went to social media that there were some changes happening at Redfront, you know, all heck broke loose. And I think that's, uh, you know... That, that's just part of the human condition. <laughs> but I think as far as the feeling on the ground, I think a lot of people are going to miss it. But I don't think that there's a reason. Again, there's a reason it's going out of business. You know, at the end of the day, just the money wasn't there. And it's a shame. Uh, it'll certainly be missed by a lot of folks. I think there were certainly some dead enders, you know, who are going to shop there till, you know, Shop, they're going to shop there every week, and as the shelves get thinner and thinner and thinner, they'll be coming up with six products, with two products, with one product, coming in, leaving, coming back next week with one product until it closes. So they'll be going there until yeah. until the door is locked. Yeah, and that, that's how I feel. I'm 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 going to keep going there till till they don't let me in anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> well, well, Ian, uh, thank you for joining us on the the bottom line, and uh, let us have you on again very very soon, bud. Yeah, no, yeah, we'll sort it out. <laughs>